get these asthma things once in a while, and I've got it this morning. So I got the crud in my lungs. So I have my little glass there with water. So if I have to stop, I will, just so I can keep on going. Um, anyway, uh, today, interesting, on this day, six, exactly six years ago, we had our first service in this building. And so uh, it's been a good ride. We're so thankful for the building. And when you, when you begin to find out what the city of Kenton, it's either, I think it's either the first, second, or third largest growing city in the nation, Kent. It also, with that, has a lot of, uh, I think there's 180-something dialects in the Kent School District. So the Lord has placed us right in the middle of a mission field all over the place. And we are doing our best to reach out. And there's a lot of things that have been going on in the last six years. Actually, we've been in the Kent Valley for 18 years now. Actually, more than that, 23 years. We spent five years at Renton High School in the beginning, and then we were downtown Kent in two different places and now here. And so uh, we're just praying that the Lord will, will make the most, uh, the most of, of us. Amen? And that we are, we're, we're the church. We're not playing church. We're not pretend. We're, we are the church. And as God's people, we are to be impacting uh, all these places around here. And then Jeff and Sarah will be going out uh, in two Sundays, going up to Enumclaw, another extension that the Lord is doing through Calvary Chapels. We love Calvary Chapel. We love the philosophy of ministry. And if you're new to Calvary's, you don't know about Calvary's, I would say CCS 101 for sure. But just know this, our main focus is we want to keep Jesus the main thing. And we want to continue just to be in the Word. So in, uh, when we get in the Word on Sundays, we want to honor God's Word uh, by continuing just to trust Him. And so as I've been sharing, because it struck me afresh uh, about a month and a half ago, that whenever I open my Bible up, God's speaking to me. It's his word. So I don't need filters. I don't need to figure out. God is speaking to me. And every time you open your Bible, every time you read it, every time you hear it, every time you're memorizing it or thinking about it, that's the voice of God given to us. And his word has been preserved by him for us. And we have so much of it, I think we've lost our appreciation for this thing called the word of God. It's living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's inspired. It's inerrant. God gave it to us, preserved it for us. And so I hope that you're making, uh, you're making progress in really having a good working knowledge of the Word of God. It is, it is absolutely essential to your spiritual growth and to mine. So when we go through the Bible on Sunday, as we're going through, it, through the book of Genesis right now, Wednesday night we're going through the book of Exodus, which I'm loving. Uh, on Wednesday night. As we do that, we want to continue to ask that you would be praying for us as a church because we know what changes people's lives is the Word of God. And a lot of places that people are going are not hearing the whole counsel of God many times. They're hearing the Word in some cases. Sometimes it's not even the Word. But what we want to do here is honor God's Word because He said He honors His Word above His name. Now that's pretty high up there. So a high view of Scripture. So I could, I could probably spend the next 45 minutes talking about this. I won't do that. Would you stand? We're going to be in Genesis chapter 21. I'm going to read verses 22 through 28. I'm going to ask if you'd open your Bibles or whatever it is that you're using and read along with me. The other passages of Scripture that, will be up, that I'll be going through, which will be many, are going to be up on the screen so we can read them together. And then we'll, I'm going to ask you, though, to follow along as we are going verse by verse in your Bible. So uh, Genesis 21, I'm... I'm uh, teaching from the New King James Version. You might have another version. So if it doesn't go exactly along, that's the difference. 
And it came to pass, Genesis 21, 22. It came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham, saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me, with my offspring, or with my posterity, but that according to the kindness that I have done to you, you will do to me and to the land in which you have dwelt. And Abraham said, I will swear. Then Abraham rebuked Abimelech because of a well of water which Abimelech's servants had seized. And Abimelech said, I do not know how, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, nor had I heard of it until today. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and two of them, and the two of them made a covenant. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. So Lord, we are we pray now in Jesus' name. We know the Spirit of God works through the Word of God to change people's lives. And Lord, we want to have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today. We want to, Lord, ask that by your Spirit, through your Word, you be speaking to those who don't know you today. And that by your Word, we hear you, Lord. We'd be encountered with you. We'd be challenged or convicted or whatever it is that we need. You know. And so, Lord, the things I prepared, I ask that you break them fresh. Feed us. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. Feed us, Lord, from your Word. And, ask, and I ask, Lord, that you would give us a refuge right now to hear clearly and to obey <laughs> immediately to, to just yield ourselves to you. Bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So I'll start out with one scripture here that kind of captures a little bit of what's on my heart this morning. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, 11, he said, Finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. This, I love this peanut uh, cartoon. I love mankind. It's people I can't stand. Would you say amen? <laughs> when it comes to people, so my, the whole message is living in peace with people. And so relationships, they, they challenge our faith in God and our yieldedness to his spirit to love one another as Jesus has loved us. I love this also, this little saying here. Says to live above with saints we love, now that will be glory, but to live below with saints we know, well, now that's a different story. Can you hear it? Amen. It's just a, so I want to talk this morning a little bit from this passage on living peaceably together. How do we live in peace? How do we, we're to be peacemakers, and we want to be living in relationships that are growing and that we are a part of that growth. So there are three things that we'll come back to each time on my heart this morning. First of all, be an honest and a kind person. That's verses 22 to 24. Be honest, an honest and kind person. It's, just, it's, it's really a, almost a simple thing, and we want to look at that this morning. Secondly, believe the best about people. Now, that's verses 25 through 32. So just believe the best about people, and here's the final one. Grow as a person, or grow where you're planted. Wherever God has you, you make sure you're growing. Because that's going to add to the whole thing of relationships that we're living together in peace. So in Genesis chapter 21, 22, verse 22, it says, And it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham, saying, God is with you in all that you do. Oh, to, 
to the Lord that that would be what people see in our life. He is with us in all that we do. They see actively in our, how we live our lives that God is with us. And so the setting of these narratives that we're looking at in Genesis had not changed in that Abraham was still living with the Philistines and would for a long time, verse 34, he stayed there a long time. So he's in this land of the Philistines. He had not yet to experience the fulfillment of God's promise, nor would he. Abraham lived out most of his his days as an exile, listen, an exile in the land of promise. So we're going to see this morning, he's sort of putting down a tree in this huge land that God promised him, but he's only got a tree. He's got a seed. He plants a, a tree there, and he's going to dwell there a long time. So he's in exile in the land of promise, and we'll see this in a moment. Psalm 107, 105, verse 7 says, He is the Lord our God. His judgments are on all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever. What covenant? The word which he commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob for a statute to Israel as an everlasting covenant saying, to you I will give the land of Canaan as the allotment of your inheritance. This is a promise in Genesis chapter 12 we looked at. God promised to Abraham this covenant. He promised it's unilateral, unconditional. I am going to do this for you. And through the Abrahamic covenant, then to the Davidic covenant that God made with David, and then to the new covenant that we read in Jeremiah, comes Jesus Christ as the fulfillment of all the promises of God that were pictured for us and given to these men, a unilateral, unconditional promise that this is what he's going to do for Abraham. It's fantastic. And so we're looking this morning at this covenant that he's making with Abimelech. That's the beginning of him, okay, this is what God promised, but just a little tree is about all we'll see this morning. Now, in Hebrews, this is corroborated. Oh, excuse me, let's go on to back, back one. Okay, when they were few in number, indeed very few and strangers in it. When they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people, he permitted no one to do them wrong, yes. He rebuked kings for their sakes saying, do not touch my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. Now, if you read Psalm 105, you'll realize he then goes into the history of Israel and what God did in Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Now, Hebrews corroborates this same idea. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would, which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, look at this, I love it, not knowing where he's going. You ever go someplace and don't know where you're going? He went in obedience to God, promising him this huge land that he would bless the world through this nation, his descendants. And he went out, and he wasn't quite sure what all that meant, but God told me to go. I'm going. He didn't do that perfectly, and neither do we. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise, For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Can they hear an amen? We wait for a city whose foundation, builder, is God. We are waiting for something future promised to us through Abraham, through David, through the new covenant, and ultimately through Jesus Christ. He goes on. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age. We've studied that. Because she judged him, God, faithful who had promised. 
90 years old, she's having a kid. Abraham, 100 years old. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Next one. These all died in faith. Notice, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed what? They were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Brothers and sisters, we are the heirs of the same promise. We are strangers and pilgrims on the earth. This is not our final destination as far as what God has for us. We are in a time dimension. God is going to be taking us into a kingdom dimension, a thousand years, and into an eternal dimension. I don't know what that's going to be like, but it's got to be better than this world. Can I hear an amen on that? We're strangers and pilgrims. So we're waiting for the city. We're waiting for what? The resurrection. We're waiting for the kingdom. This all came unilaterally, unconditionally through one man, and that is Abraham. And it is absolutely mind-blowing as you begin to realize that God told Abraham this little this promise, and he's fulfilling it, and we're seeing another step in it in this story about Abimelech and Abraham. So in verse 22, Abimelech spoke to Abraham, saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, verse 23, swear to me, what, by God... That you will not deal falsely with me and with my offspring or with my posterity. So Abimelech pressed for a treaty with Abraham that he would not deal falsely with him. He wouldn't lie to him. He wouldn't be deceitful. All Abimelech knew about this man Abraham was that God had blessed him through Abraham. You remember back in, in, in Genesis chapter 20. God said to Abimelech, you need to get this right. And then you ask... You, Abraham will pray for you, and in praying for you, all your, your, your women will now be able to have children. So he had himself been blessed through Abraham. He saw God's favor on Abraham. He also knew Abraham as being deceptive. That's what he did. He lied to him about his wife. And so the tra this tragic contradiction called for a binding treaty. Now, the fascinating thing to me Abimelech is a Philistine king, he's a pagan king, and God is using him as he is wanting this treaty with Abraham to then put in place a treaty, a legal treaty with Abraham that this land, this part, belongs to Abraham, just like God said. So earlier, Abraham had disgraced himself. He had to be rebuked by Abimelech for being deceitful. Now Abimelech seeks God's favor through Abraham. So he says, swear to me by God. God is with you in all that you do. See, I have good question, Abimelech would say to Abraham, I have good, question, good, uh, good reason to question your honesty. So I'm looking to God to direct you to be honest with me and my people. And may I say to you, as you well know, are you not thankful for God's presence in our lives that changes us to become more and more honest people, truthful people, freed up people? And it's because of the Holy Spirit and the conviction that we realize, and people will often notice that. They see that you don't lie. Or when you do, you confess that. You are honest about it. That is a powerful testimony to the world, 
that there's something different because God is with us. And God is changing our conscience and our convictions to be in line with his conscience and the conscience he gives to us and his convictions. Abimelech had himself been confronted by God, this pagan king, in a dream. He said, you're a dead man. Well, hold on a second. I, I didn't even know. All I heard was that, he's, that she's his sister. That's what I was told. And so he backs off and God said, I know and I kept you. He kept Abimelech because his conscience was sensitive, but God also in his sovereignty protected Sarah, so there's no question as to whose seed this is. It's Abraham's. So as he was, as he, God meets him, you're a dead man, he immediately, the guy's amazing, really, this guy Abimelech, he immediately repents, and he goes to Abraham and he gets it right before God. And then, here's the fascinating thing, and then Abimelech says to Abraham, Come graciously and gen- you come and live wherever you want in my land. It's all yours, wherever you want to live. I mean, it's amazing. It's all a part of what God's doing through this man Abimelech, this king. And so Abimelech gave his word to Abraham, and Abimelech's going to keep his word. That's what's going on. But he's saying to Abraham, We need to know that you're going to keep your word. And so, by God, I know that will happen. God's with you. God spoke to you. Abimelech kept his word, trusted God with Abraham that this covenant was necessary and in that God was laying again another sort of little piece in the path to Jesus Christ. Psalm 15, it's not up there. I just added before I came down. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and who works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. It's so important to God. It's so important in our relationship with him. It's so important that we're honest in our relationships with others. Psalm 34. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile, deceit. Be honest and be kind. Abimelech was not only used by God to expose and confront Abraham's deceit. Here's what's beautiful. Abimelech was used by God to move Abraham and himself forward in their relationship. That's what's happening. How did he do that? By kindness. Kindness will always move forward our relationships to a more healthy place. Simple kindness. So notice verse 23, the second part. But that according to the kindness that I have done to you, you will do to me and the land which you have dwelt. Kindness. He had been very kind to Abraham. Simple kindness reconciles, restores, refines, builds, and rebuilds relationships. Simple kindness begins a relationship on solid ground. Kindness. It's a door to great things. Now, it's a sad fact that many times the kindness of the world is a rebuke to the lack of kindness in God's people. I'm saying, Lord, Please forgive me. Help me. 
Job said this fascinating little verse. To him who is afflicted, now you remember what Job's going through, and he's got his miserable comforters. To him who is afflicted, kindness should be shown by his friend, even though he forsakes the fear of the Almighty. He may not be, God's like, but still, kindness should be shown. Now really, the foundation, the, the, the fountain of that is because of how God's been kind to us. He who is kind beyond all measure Rahab was shown kindness that saved her and her family. Naomi, who said, don't call me, Naomi, call me Mara, bitterness. Do you know what changed that? The kindness of God. David showed kindness to King Saul when he was seeking to kill him. Saul was seeking to kill David. He showed him kindness. He showed kindness to Jabez Gilead for showing kindness to Saul. He showed kindness to the house of Saul, to his son Jonathan. David showed kindness to the people of Ammon, who were their defeated enemies. In the Psalms, God's kindness is what motivates worship. His kindness. In Proverbs, what is desired of a man is kindness. Now tell me if that's not true. In any rate, what's desired is kindness. The virtuous woman, in Proverbs 31, on her tongue is what? The law of kindness. Now, if you've ever met my wife, you will hear that all the time. She's so kind. Sometimes I say, you're too kind. <laughs> then I think, well, if I'm the recipient, keep being kind. <laughs> the hope, listen to this, the hope of the prophets is that after God's judgment is his kindness. After God's judgment is his kindness. Wow. In the book of Acts, when the prisoners on that ship with, with Paul the apostle, there were 275 plus him, and they shipwrecked on the island called Malta. Now these are prisoners, dangerous, some very with a few soldiers. And it says there that the natives of the island showed them unusual kindness. They were drenching. It was freezing. They lit a fire for them. Paul wrote of, often of kindness. Paul the apostle in his epistles. He said he commended himself by kindness. There's, again, kindness opens doors of fellowship that you can't possibly believe. Just being kind. The fruit of the Spirit is love, which equals what? Kindness. God showed us the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Believers, we're told, should put on kindness. Here's a classic Pauline passage in the book of Titus. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities. Now, you look at our political landscape right and you go the last thing I'm going to do is be kind to them <laughs> or them to us to obey be ready for every good to speak evil of no one to be peaceable gentle showing all humility to all men for we ourselves were also once foolish disobedient deceived serving various lusts and pleasure this is one of those ugly lists living in malice and envy hateful and hating one another but when what 
the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared. Not by works of righteousness we had done. We didn't deserve the kindness. But according to his mercy he saved us. That's his kindness. Through the washing of regeneration, renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. It's God's kindness that changed everything. It changes everything. He's kind beyond all measure. And thus we should be kind. Peter tells us to add to our faith virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, and unto godliness, brotherly kindness. And unto brotherly kindness, love. How do we be kind? It's just by simply being nice to one another. <laughs> just be nice. Aesop said, no act of kindness, however small, is ever wasted. Wow. Jesus said, whoever gives one of these little ones a cup of cold water in my name will never lose. That's just a simple act of kindness, a cup of cold water. Mark Twain said, kindness is the language which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. Honesty exposes sin. Kindness of God is the power in a relationship to move past it. Repentance confesses sin. Kindness finds in God the willingness to forgive. Just like God forgave us. Sin has the power to ruin a relationship. Kindness, the potential to restore it. We're seeing in this relationship with Abimelech, he's a tremendous example of kindness. He said, because of the kindness I've shown you, would you show that to us? Would you reciprocate? Abimelech recognized, so it says, verse 24, and Abraham said, I will swear. So he recognized God's hand of blessing was on Abraham, and so he wanted peace with Abraham. Abraham de desired the same and willingly enters into this covenant relationship. Again, God laying the groundwork for the next pave, pave stone to be put down for the coming of Jesus. Abraham gave Abimelech his word, but now there's another problem. Now, <laughs> that's life, right? I got another problem that's come up. And there's always another problem. And therefore, there's always a need for more kindness, more honesty. I like what Theodore Roosevelt said. Human kindness has never weakened the stamina or softened the fiber of a free people. A nation does not have to be cruel to be tough. How we need just to banner that again over our nation. Ronald Reagan said this, we can't help everyone, but everyone can help someone. Be kind. Kind. Secondly, believe the best about people. Believe the best. Now, if I were to take a poll in this room of how many of us believe the best all the time, it'd be 100% that we don't. <laughs> Can I hear an Amen. We don't. It's a natural part of the fallen sinful nature. That's why the Bible says, 
An eye for an eye, because if it were up to us, we'd take two eyes for one. That's how it works. That's restrictive. It's not saying, oh yeah, go take their eye. It's restrictive. Don't you do more than justice. Because that's vengeance. Then Abraham, verse 25, rebuked Abimelech, got a problem, because of a well of water which Abimelech's servants had seized. So Abraham is accusing here Abimelech's servants of stealing the well. Now, in that whole context, Abimelech had invited him to live in the land, to live in my land, take whatever you want, wherever you want to go. A well of water is super important in these wildernesses. It's actually life or death situation. They needed a well. And so they dug a well. And Abraham's saying, now, your servants stole the well. So the problem here, listen, I know you know it well. The problem is Abraham assumed Abimelech knew all about it. And we assume many times wrongly. Believe the best about people. And Abimelech said, I do not know, verse 26, who has done this thing. You did not tell me, nor had I heard of it until today. So in other words, I didn't know anything about this. You know, it's amazing. In fact, I just was, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking with someone, and this, this had happened. People, myself included, we can carry around a hurt, sometimes for years. Because someone said something, I heard it, I took it this way, and, I, and ever since then, I felt like, I'm, I, I, I'm just mad. Hebrews tells us to be careful that we don't fall from the grace of God by becoming bitter. And it can happen so easy. And many times it's because I'm assuming something. Or I'm assuming something that they knew nothing about. And so in many of the stories that I've heard, two, three, four years down the road, this person's been fighting with all the time, and every time they see him, it's just like there, this thing that happened. And finally say, I'm going to go talk to him, or I'm going to go talk to her. And they go and talk, and the person goes, I had no idea I did that. I had no idea that when I said that, it had happened in your heart like that. And, and it's an immediate, it's done. I'm so sorry. I had no idea that when I said that, you took it that way. I didn't mean that at all. Or maybe it's, you know what, I remember that doing that. I even thought about it, but I thought, well, and, and it's like when we assume on things, how many times have you assumed things that were just absolutely wrong? Now, if we were to take a poll in this room, 100% would say, I've done it. That's what Abraham was doing. He was assuming that Abimelech knew all about it. So the question is, have I asked instead of accused? Have I gone to get the facts Instead of assuming, what is the fact? Am I giving them the benefit of the doubt? Proverbs 25, 9, great another passage. Debate your case with your neighbor and do not disclose the secret to another. In other words, you go to that person between you and him or her and there talk about it. Am I going around as a talebearer? Because that's what happens. Hurt begins, and so that's why it says in Hebrews, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many be defiled. You know, it leaks out 
how you feel about someone, what you've got in your heart towards someone. It leaks out. And it begins to defile many. And so a talebearer, look at Proverbs 18.8. The words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles. And the way I look at that is, in our fallen, sinful human nature, when we hear something ill about someone, it's, it's almost like we almost like it. But notice, and they go down in the innermost body. So it begins to harm inwardly and deeply is the, is the context. When I'm saying something. 1 Corinthians 13, may I remind all of us the definition of love. Love suffers long and is what? Kind. Beginning, definition. Love does not envy, does not seek its own, does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, here it is, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. Now, it doesn't say Kevin never fails. It says love never fails. What love? God's love. That's the love this is defining. Not human love, but God's love. God's love is willing to accept, not immediately to suspect. That's the difference. Believes all things. No, I want to believe the best. Can, can you give me just a heart amen to that? I want to listen honestly, clearly. I want to ask the questions that need to be asked. I want to go to the source. I want to find out if, if I can't. I want to go to someone that can do something about it or someone that's involved. And listen, I believe that flies under the banner of kindness and honesty and believing the best so that we might have these relationships that are growing and nurtured and healed and reconciled. Plato said this, there is no such thing as a lover's oath. In other words, when, you're loved, when you love someone, the oath's not needed. That's what love is. Love is the fulfilling of the law. Now, there will be legitimate offenses. I don't even need to ask you to say amen on that one. We would do ourselves well to take Jesus at his word. And he said in Matthew chapter 18, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. I say, God, help me. I think you'd nurse. God, help us. You see, many times the problem begins because I don't go and deal with the problem like Jesus said to. And it amplifies and multiplies and gets worse and worse and deteriorates, sometimes to the point of irreconcilable in relationship back to Genesis chapter 21 verse 27 so Abraham took sheep and oxen gave them Abimelech and the two of them made a covenant and Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves then Abimelech asked Abraham what is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs which you have set by themselves and he said you will take these seven ewe lambs from my hand that they may be my witness that I have dug this well therefore he called that place place Beersheba, because the two of them swore an oath there. Thus they made a covenant at Beersheba, so Abimelech rose with Phicol, the commander of the army, and they returned to the land of Philistines. So the first verse, 22, there they are, Abimelech and Phicol, now they're leaving. 
Things have been settled. Things are taken care of. Here's the key. The name Beersheba is the home now of Abraham. And you'll see that throughout Scripture. Beersheba is found in verse 33 times. The word to swear or take an oath, three times. The word, the number seven, three times. So Beersheba means the well of seven or the well of an oath. It's significant. He names it Beersheba for a reason. It's his home. He's settling there. A covenant was made that allowed Abraham to settle in that land in peace that he would flourish and be in prosperity. And that his family descendants would be then a blessing to those around them as God had told him. So they make this treaty. They could all share. It secured the legal rights to the land right there that God had initially promised to him. They have peace. They belong to Abraham. Secured the treaty that this well is his. God's provision. Many things that come into the picture. But the bottom line is this now belongs to Abraham. Legally, through this Philistine king, in the land of promise that was not yet his. He's still in exile in in the land God promised him. So the covenant will prove to be very significant in God's plan of redemption through Christ, through the covenant he made with Abraham, that he would bless Abraham, and through him, he would be a blessing. It's the beginning seed there, a substantial step forward of God's promise to give him the land. He now has legal right to it. The final thought, briefly, last two verses. Grow as a person. I would say grow where you're planted. And that's what Abraham is doing now. Notice. Then Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba. And there called on the name of the Lord the everlasting God. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines many days. So this is a significant thing that he's doing. He's planting a tree that he's going to sojourn there for a long time. That's going to be home base. So to plant the tree presupposed a constant supply of water. This is something he's doing, believing God, that right now he is rooted right where God said he should be rooted. God blessed him with the well water. Abraham settled in the land in peace. God's plan is going forward. He plants the tree which speaks of fruitfulness and prosperity in the land. Now, listen, the the title Everlasting God is awesome. It's El Olam. It means it's a divine, unique designation. And it means this. Abraham's use of it has to do with the eternal nature of the events that just happened. He's the everlasting God. That what's happened here is of eternal consequence, eternal significance. Abraham's God was the everlasting one. Listen. Listen whose will for Abraham, for him, cannot be thwarted. He's the everlasting God. He's doing now what he said he would do. He's beginning this journey into that, along that road of his redemptive plan, ultimately culminating in our Savior, Jesus Christ, the promised seed. And so now, when Abraham's dealing with life, his view is through the everlasting God. Wow. Yeah, I'm a stranger and a pilgrim, but I know what God's doing. 
He's put me in this place, Beersheba. I'm planting a tree. I'm going to be flourishing. I'm going to be fruitful. I'm going to be here for a long time. But God's plan and promise is going to continue. So I say to us, let's grow where we're planted. Knowing that God's plan for us cannot be thwarted. Where we are in this land, we can be fruitful, we can flourish, we can be a blessing to many, we can bring the gospel of peace to the world that needs peace, right where we're planted. And to look at God as the everlasting God, the God who is divine and unique and revealed himself ultimately through Jesus Christ for us that we may know in whom we believed and be persuaded that he will complete that which he started, grow where we're planted. Psalm, number, Psalm 1. Many of you know it. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, the word of God. And in his law he, he meditates day and night. He shall be like what? A tree. Planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. It's very simple. Nurture your life. Flood your life with God's word and the word being, being given and be planted in him. Psalm 92. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear, I love this one, this is great, it's becoming more and more applicable. They shall still bear fruit in what? Old age. Brothers and sisters, I'm, I, and you oldies. <laughs> Listen, you might have one year, you might have five, you might have ten, you might, but you can be so fruitful in whatever time God, you will still be bearing fruit in your old age. And I say, Lord, well, my, one of my, one of my, greatest fears is that I would become unfruitful. One of my greatest fears is that God would set me aside, that I'd become disqualified rather than living out my life to the very end in being planted and growing and flourishing, whose leaves shall not wither, whatsoever he does shall prosper. Believing the everlasting God who has called me and sanctified me and given me of his spirit and saying, you go out and you be a blessing to the world. You be a blessing to those around you. You, in your sphere of influence, that your tree, you as a tree, are beginning to now be that which, from which others can feast. Would you say amen to that? They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. I leave you this hymn that came to mind as I was preparing this. Day by day, and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here. Trusting in my Father's wise bestowment, I have no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart, it just breaks mine in joy. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure, gives unto, uh, gives unto each day what he deems best, Lovingly, it's part of pain and pleasure, mingling toil with peace and rest. Can we pray? Father, again, we thank you so much for your kindness toward us. When we were all these things, this list, but when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, Jesus, you came 
And you went about doing good. You went about healing, being so kind and gentle, but powerful. That you are the Son of God, the promised Messiah, the Savior of the world, the omnipotent one. The one who has all power and all authority, who can do all things. But you came and you died on a cross for us. And we love you for that, Lord. We bow before you. We say, Lord, take our lives and let them be ever consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take our moments and our days, Lord, and move our mouths in praise to you and honor to you that our hands and our eyes and our ears and our mouths and our feet would all be consecrated for your purposes through and in, in and through our lives.